Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here, again coming to you from my not very acoustically sound garage office during these COVID-19 days. Today, let's find out about some daring, imaginative entrepreneurs here in Bloomington. We'll split our program into two parts. First, we'll speak with Mike Trotsky, co-founder of the high-tech startups and service companies Cheddar, Sproutbox, and The Combine. Then, we'll chat with Anthony Duncan and Mohammed A. Mahdi, who, along with Mohammed M. Mahdi, founded the Soapy Soap Company, a premium natural soap manufacturer. Both Trotsky and the Soapy Soap guys are examples of Bloomington entrepreneurs looking to be their own bosses, do what they love, provide work for local residents, and maybe have a little fun while they work. Both interviews were recorded before our WFHB studios were declared off-limits due to the 2020 pandemic, so parts one and two will sound, well, pretty good as opposed to the coffee can it sounds like I'm speaking in right now. We'll start with Mike Trotsky and then go on to Anthony Duncan and Mohammed A. Mahdi. Here we go. This is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week in the studio, a fella named Mike Trotsky. I'll tell you what Mike Trotsky is. He's a gardener. His seeds are high-tech companies, and he waters and nourishes them with cash from venture capitalists. What do you think of that, Mike? I think that's a pretty decent analogy, particularly given that our name is Sproutbox. Yeah. Um, we do. We definitely think of the companies that we're growing as as sprouts, is what we call them, right? And right. So, uh, we're trying to get them from, you know, just just barely popping out of the soil up to where they're a big, beautiful uh, a plant that hopefully can provide. Uh, nourishment and oxygen for all of, of Bloomington and, and the Midwest. Now, one thing that you do is is you look for outside companies and try to match them up with venture capitalists. These people need money to get their businesses off the ground. Mm -hmm. The venture capitalists want to make money. You're the matchmaker. Well, to some extent, though, more recently, I've become you know the the hunter in the sense that. I've joined one of the companies as CEO and am now have now gone out and tried to raise capital ourselves. Uh -huh. um, so part of the Sproutbox model was acknowledging that it was difficult to find investment here in, in Indiana in particular, uh -huh. uh, that they're just we just don't have a developed ecosystem with regard to that. And so we built Sproutbox as a way for companies to potentially not require additional investment or we could get them from idea stage to on the market generating revenue. Um, and then they didn't have to raise money to survive, they could just raise money for growth potentially. Um, but you know, we're also trying to build that ecosystem up and get a lot more uh, activity and actually have an investment network that exists in Indiana. But to sort of kickstart that, uh, one of my main goals was to figure out um, and, and to build something that could attract outside capital into Bloomington. So we really focused on trying to raise capital from established institutional venture capital funds that you know wasn't just individuals which is what most fundraising in Bloomington has been from firms that look at the quality of the business more than the relationship with the founder mm -hmm. and like really leverage those to, to begin making investments in Bloomington and so I joined Cheddar to help grow that and to make that happen with Cheddar um, and that was one of the first times we've had you know significant round of institutional capital come into Bloomington and I hope there's a ton more of that. 
Now, I'm under the uh, impression that Cheddar is an outfit that uh, specializes in variable monthly or usage-based uh-huh. billing for SaaS software as a service platforms. Am yeah. You know what? This is all uh, <laughs> Greek to me, as yes. it were, to use the old line. Did I say it correctly? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's it's just billing for other software companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the simplest way to understand it. Um, you know, we help uh, particularly software as a service companies, which are a type of company that provide an online service um, through software um, and are billed typically on a monthly basis or maybe an annual basis. And what we do is we just track what's happening on those platforms. So, Sort know, of an a la carte usage fee? Yeah. Is that so the, one of the ways that we think of it is like you think about buying a water bottle and you can buy a one-time, one-time fee. It's a one-time water bottle. You can get like a subscription service that brings you... Uh, you know, the, the big bottle to the office every... So you can fill amount. your water bottle? And what we do is we think of ourselves as a, a meter for a faucet. So we allow that to just be turned on, smooth, easy usage of a platform. So in a software world, that's like, you know, how many Netflix movies you watch maybe. It's how many... We track all the things that are happening, and then we figure out how to bill for those later. Um, so well, that that's always bothered me. Why don't the newspapers and magazines use that same type of idea? I want to read three articles this week. I want to pay for three articles right. this week. Why can't I do that? Well, and, and, and you know, like something like newspapers are trying to figure out new business models and way to operate. Um, and, and one of the things that we do is by just tracking first, by having this idea of just tracking what your users are doing, and then you apply how you're going to bill for that. It's really mm-hmm. nice because you can start to see where your platform is providing value, what people are really using, and then figure out a pricing scheme that matches that and, and bills in a way that you know the consumer likes and it's good for both the business and consumer. And that's what we're, those are the sort of things we're trying to create at Cheddar. So the technology exists to do this kind of stuff. With Cheddar, yeah. With Cheddar. But do the business owners who need it, do they trust it yet? I, you know, we're not, I mean, I think it's a new concept. Like, uh, subscription billing has become more something that people are comfortable with, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, like the Netflix model where you bill something every month for something. Uh, but we haven't had the technology. We haven't had the meters, you know, to go back to the water example. Yeah. We haven't had the meters to really be able to see what people will do with that. And so now that, that, that you know, the companies like Cheddar are, are allowing software companies to track what's happening um, and then bill for it, I think you're going to see a lot more businesses give it a shot. Right, and that's and that's what we're counting on at, at Cheddar. You've got a lot going on. Not only that, you were uh, an organizer of the Combine. Yes, Combine's What's, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Tell me about it. It's a conference of some sort. Yeah, it's it's a it's an entrepreneurial conference. Uh, startups. Uh, it's about the entrepreneurial spirit. So whether that be in a large corporate environment or that be you know with a startup company, we bring in people who have done. Uh, you know, interesting things in the world of entrepreneurship, and, and they share their stories. Uh, mostly, it's a, there's a set of workshops, and then there's a single stage event. Uh, we've been fortunate to just have amazing speakers, you know, like Jimmy Wales, who you know, mm. created Wikipedia, or Max Yoder, who started a company up in Indy, young guy, mm-hmm. went to IU, great example um, for folks to kind of see what an entrepreneurial path looks like uh, out of Bloomington. So over the years, it's just it's been an incredible event and a ton of fun. Um, and I love I love doing it. You have a connection, I believe, with the Tech Park project. Well, you know, I've been working on trying to get that activated for quite some time. You know, we originally submitted a large scale proposal uh, at, 
years ago that ended up not being the way it panned out. But we're actually starting on the uh, Dimension Mill project uh, tomorrow. The board will be meeting for the first time at Dimension Mill, which is the sort of first step, a renovation of a facility, a, a co-working and uh, event space that will kind of be the central hub for all of the technology-related things that are happening in Bloomington right now. Hmm. You know, uh, we have been sort of sensing that some of the neighbors are concerned that Tech Park is going to come in and all highly paid people are going to be working there and they're going to want to live around there. And we, the neighbors, they say, are all going to be pushed out. Should they worry? Uh, I mean, it's a right now it's a large open field. So uh -huh. it's not, a, I mean, I do worry about like displacement and issues, particularly in, in towns like San Francisco that are happening. Right. Uh, I don't think we have the same situation here um, mm -hmm. because density in that zone is not as high. Right. I think it's also a little bit of a, a misconception to think that while I do think they're good paying jobs associated with tech, the startup industry in Bloomington is not about good paying jobs. Right. Uh, you and know, lots of people being employed yeah, at this it, point. It's, it's, at this point, it's about small companies trying to figure out how to, how to start something and create something uh, unique in Bloomington. And, you know, I always say the first thing people say, oh, well, you get into entrepreneurship to, to, to get rich. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, what, what you do when you decide to start a startup is decide to stop getting a paycheck at all. That's mm -hmm. what that decision is, right? Mm -hmm. And then to try and figure out how to live until you can get to a, a point that your business is sustainable. So I, I think that's a, that's a bit of a misconception as well about, about what it will mean for the area. Hopefully it'll make it a really, really cool place for everybody. Now, you and the two friends started up a, a business called Recite back when you were college students? Yeah, right. Well, uh, right, right outside of college. Right out of college. Yeah, yeah. And what did Recite do? Uh, we were an uh, online rent payment platform. Uh -huh. uh, we had Our core product was something called the Resin Hub, where you could pay your rent online, submit service requests, meet up with other people in your like apartment community, stuff like that. We lived in the Fields Apartment homes here, and, and we're frustrated that we had to take a check <laughs> over there. And, and we were, you know, we were early adopters, and so all of my other bills were being paid online, and that was the only one I couldn't, so we decided to try and solve that problem. We did that for, we started that in 2001, and it took us, you know, a long time to get that build up. We sold it in 2007 and then worked there through 2008 before we started Sproutbox. And so you used some of the revenues from that sale uh -huh. to start your big business now. Yeah, I mean, we started Sproutbox uh, because we wanted to stay in Bloomington after mm -hmm. the exit, and we wanted to invest in companies here. Um, and so Sproutbox was a vehicle for us to be able to invest in and what was happening here, and, and hopefully try and grow some really cool, great places to work. Uh, now, your your cool. partners were Brad Whistler and Mark Geyer. Yeah, so so uh, at Sproutbox, we sort of we we did twenty eight deals. So we invested in twenty eight companies, and then we decided to kind of focus in on several of those companies and try and help them grow over the second half of our fund. So. Um, Brad went and, and is running a company called Periodic that mm -hmm. shares office space with us. Mm -hmm. uh, and Mark and I Which, are, by the way, I used the other day. <laughs> yes, that's the best way to, uh, to book time with me is to use Periodic. It's a, it's a booking platform. Right. Um, and appointment booking. Appointment yes. booking, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, Mark and I work together every day on, on Cheddar. So he's the best engineer I've ever worked with and is incredible at building. He, he's the architect of the platform, built the whole thing. I'm, I'm a recovering developer, right? I used to be a coder, but um, now I'm more focused on sort of the business side of Cheddar. 
Mike Trotsky, the gardener, the man with the green thumb, maybe? Or should there be a new color for the kind of gardener you are? Mike, thanks for joining us on Big Talk. Absolutely. Great being here. Today's two-part program also features the Soapy Soap Guys, two of the three founders of the premium natural soap company located in Bloomington. Here's part two. My guests this week in the studio, the gentleman from Soapy Soap Company, Anthony Duncan, Mohammed A. Mahdi, his brother Mohammed M. Mahdi is the third member of that trio that runs that company. He's not here today. He's taking care of business over at the warehouse. Yep. Thanks for joining us, fellas. Thank you for having us. We appreciate it. This isn't a gotcha question, but I do have a show-and-tell thing here. Show-and-tell on the radio makes uh, a lot of sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> so here's a brown paper bag of a product I bought this morning at Blooming Foods. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to reach into it. Smells good. It is a bar of sabun soap. Sabun, what does that mean? Muhammad? So sabun um, pretty much means soap in many different languages, in Hindi, Urdu, Turkish, Malay, Somalian. So it's a universal name for soap. Um, it means soap in many, many different languages. And that's the brand that you fellows yeah. sell? Yes. Yeah. So sabun is the, the brand that we created in um, April 2012. So essentially, um, we have, if you notice, it says sabun bar soap, and then we also have sabun lip balm, sabun spray mist, and so on. I have yeah. to say that when these two guys walked into this studio, it smelled like <laughs> soap. It is yep. on them. It, do, do you notice that, Anthony, that uh, that's what you smell like now? Uh, we don't notice it ourselves, really. It's kind of just background to us, I guess. But many other people say when we walk in, uh, to different places, we smell like soap or essential oils. It's kind of seeped into our skin. It's kind of like infused in us. So when we go to like restaurants and stuff, like when people are making our food, they're like, man, you smell really good. And we're like, yeah, you know. <laughs> you guys don't have to use cologne anymore. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. We actually don't anymore because we use all essential oils and everything, so we don't use any fragrance oils. So yeah. I got this bar of soap. It's a hand-cut bar of soap. Smells great. It's lemongrass. It was a $4.99 bar of soap. With tax, that's five thirty-four. Which one of you wants to tell me why I should spend that kind of money on a bar of soap? Uh, well, it's all... Um, yeah, yeah, this is uh, Anthony. <laughs> it's, um, it's basically uh, the ingredients we use and the, the processes we go by. Uh, basically, all natural soap in general is much better for your skin. Um, so back before we started the business, I would use whatever store-bought soap, uh, but my skin would always feel like a bit itchy mm. after washing. And from what I've heard from people, that's fairly common, uh, just depending on your skin type. But when we started making soap, it was like night and day. Uh, my skin felt completely different, and I hadn't even thought about it. But uh, now I wouldn't go back for sure. Okay, now now hold on, hold on right there. He said, Muhammad. He said mm -hmm. when we started making soap. Why would he be making soap? And were you in on this <laughs> from the get-go? Actually, my brother Muhammad M and Anthony um, had this idea in April 2012 of. They actually um, wanted to just make soap as a hobby to just pretty much uh, save money and just also my brother um, is really hands-on. He likes learning things on his own, Anthony and myself as well. So one day we were, they were on the couch and they're like, you know what, let's 
figure out how to make soap. And then um, I think that we just read a lot of you watched a lot of YouTube videos, checked out some library books, and what started off we just they just made a couple of batches of soap, and then that turned into many many batches of soap, and then we um, mailed it to our family and friends to try it out, and a lot of people really liked it. And you know, we were like, you know what? Let's start a business. And actually, Blooming Foods is one of our um, first wholesale clients. They've mm. they've uh, been with us from the get go, essentially. So, yeah. which one of you three is the chemist? Uh, so actually, we're all self-taught. Um, yeah. None of us uh, took chemistry, and none of us really did business study. We we're self-taught on all aspects of the business. Um, it's just a lot of testing um, and a lot of trial and error and uh, research. Um, in the process of what he was saying of doing many batches, uh, we actually developed our own way of making soap that's different than uh, anything you see out there. Uh, we call it the volcano method. Yeah. Um, because the soap actually starts foaming up when it's finished. Huh. And what's different about our soap making, uh, the way we do it, basically, is that uh, the soap is fully finished that day. Um, typically, um, when people make soap um, on a smaller scale, uh, they have to cure the soap for one to two months. And really? then it's safe yeah. to use. That's like cheese. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, yeah. with the process that we created, it's uh, ready the same day. It's ready the same day, safe to use same day after we tested and everything. No kidding. And that actually goes into, um, we haven't talked about it, but our new um, sister branch company that we have started is called designmysoap.com as well. So that essentially um, customers can, it's pretty much um, a virtual soap making studio that we've created for customers. So they can essentially um, pick the ingredients that they want, pick the essential oils, pick the exfoliants that they want in the bar of soap, and then they get to also create their label. So let's just say if you want Michael Soapy Soap or Muhammad Spicy Spice or something, and you also get to create, um, you also get to choose between labels and, and whatnot as well. You had soap making workshops and yeah. so forth. Do you still do that? We still do, yeah. Doesn't that hurt your business? I mean, why do you want people to make their soap? Well, because they'll go off on their own and put you out of business. Well, no? our workshops we found are more experiential, so people are more concerned about um, getting their hands dirty and mixing things. So uh, when we make soap, it's basically finished um, and safe, uh, but it's still a bit soft and it just needs to harden up overnight. Mm -hmm. um, so what people do is we make the soap, and then um, then we give them little bowls of soap, and then they, they mix in like in additives like uh, exfoliants, essential oils, and then they can actually hand mold the soap like Play-Doh or clay. And so yeah. that's what most people have really been interested in. They can make ducks. Yeah, so yeah. we've had people yeah. make penguins, turtles, soap creatures. Um, Anthony actually in our, like we call it like the museum of, of soaps right now, where he's, he's made a lot of creatures and stuff. And then people who come to the workshops, we sometimes ask them to like make something for us too. So we have a whole display of everything as well. It's more of a hands-on experience for like people to come in with their families and just like, you know, check out um, where the soap warehouse is, get a tour, get familiar with our business. And also then, you know, just very hands-on. It's like a fun afternoon. Yeah. Like kids like to do it too. Yeah. Now let's go back to 2012. You're starting yeah. off this business. And as you alluded to earlier, you said you were sending out some samples of the stuff you yeah. were making to friends and family and all. I mean, how did you do that? Did you say, hey, look, you better use my soap. Someone would say, well, what are you saying to me? <laughs> I think uh, we just, um, I think my brother made like a Google survey where he had like people fill out surveys and stuff. And also we just sent, sent it to family and friends. And of all the people we sent it to, I think like one or two people really filled out that survey. 
And I remember when my brother uh, had me try it, I was at first I was like, you know what? I use Irish Spring or Dove Bar. Do you have something that you can make something like that? And he just started laughing at me. And why is because if you notice the bar that you just bought um, from Blooming Foods, if you turn the back in the ingredients, there's all the ingredients that you can pronounce. Um, Olive oil, water, sodium hydroxide, which is lye, yeah. lemongrass essential oil. Yeah. I'm sniffing it right now. <laughs> but I actually don't even need to put it close yeah. to my nose. It's like in the room now. And then so. the way we design the company is, is if you notice, that, that base says body be gentle. So we designed um, soaps for specific skin types. So that soap is designed for um, dry skin. It's going to be extremely moisturizing. And the lemongrass is actually one of our most popular bars as well. And a little so, on yeah. the science side, what happens is you take the oils, um, in this case just olive oil, and then we combine it with the water and lye, and then it goes through a chemical reaction, uh, which creates the soap. And then also it creates glycerin, which is great for the skin. And there's yeah. a bit of little bit of oil left over, and there's no lye left over. Mm. Um, so that's kind of how that converts. Um, and it, depending on which oils you start with, so if you start with just olive oil, um, you'll end up with a really moisturizing, soft bar. Um, but if you use like a different combination of oils, like coconut oil, uh, almond oil, and so on, in different percentages, it creates different qualities in the final soap. Um, so what we're uh, moving towards now is having just the three different varieties, one that's good for really dry skin, one that's good for like neutral or most skin types, and then one that's good for oily skin, and uh, kind of utilizing what we've developed over the past few years. So there's trial and error. Do you sometimes make a soap that you say to yourself, oh, no, <laughs> this isn't working? Um, I think when we do the mixture of essential oils, we yeah. try it, and then there's sometimes we're like, uh, yeah. Essentially, what we do is is we make our uh, batch size in 1,000 bars, but then when we have leftover soap, we'll like use like um, like a pound to experiment with to see, like, okay, you know, let's mix lemongrass, peppermint, and tea tree. Let's see what happens. Oh. Or, or if we get samples of essential oils, we're like, okay, you know what? Let's try this new sample out. Let's see how it works. And then we also use the feedback with uh, customers, like when we're at the various farmer's markets, and too, they're like, oh, you know what? Let's... Uh, I like lavender and tea tree. Can you do a mixture of that? So we do a lot of, um, we take what our customers say, employees say, and what we think might work best, and then we do a lot of just trial and error, like you said. But, yeah. Now you say it's it's hand cut yeah. soap. Yep. Is yeah. there a machine or a tool that one uses, or do you just go get a cleaver or something? <laughs> we use a waffle cutter knife. Essentially. A waffle cutter yeah, knife. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I believe they're used for cutting waffle. Fries. It's just like oh, a, yeah, a wavy yeah. metal knife. Ah. Um, at the moment, we just hand cut. At some point, we'd like to at least make it so we can cut several at once. Um, but essentially, we're literally cutting each one. So that thousand bar batch, each each bar is being hand cut. Yeah. Well, and also each bar is being hand wrapped and with the ribbon and the stickers and everything as well. You guys are the big bosses. Are you actually doing this hands-on work? Too? Yeah. No, we do a lot. Yeah. 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 We also have production employees who are also helping with the production side of things. So now we're, before it was like we would always do the production, but now we're, you know, um, pretty much entrusting our employees and, and, and pretty much showing them the way and stuff as well. But we're still very hands-on with the production um, where we do, do make this open everything. And then we were in, in the process of like also just there, just having them like hand cut each bar and smoothing them out and everything. But yeah, you had to move out of the uh, kitchen. Yeah, yep. where you started <laughs> yeah. this. What what was going on in that kitchen? Oh, that was just like the the first few months of the business, testing things out. Yeah. Um, 
uh, really things moved pretty quickly. Uh, we went to our first farmer's market um, in June, I believe. I think it was at of Smithville. Smithville. It yeah. was Smithville Farmer's Market. Of 2012. Yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. And then we just went to a few different events and uh, started talking to a few. Uh, I believe our first wholesaler was a, a local nursery, hmm. uh, Twin H Tree, um, now Harmony Gardens. Yeah. And then Blooming Foods was right after that. And we kept moving. <laughs> and then we got uh, into Whole Foods in Indianapolis. Um, and uh, and then in October is when we first moved into like a, a warehouse space. Uh, we rented a few rooms in a warehouse off of Rogers Street and uh, expand, expanded a lot within there. So we were able to add on like more rooms as needed yeah. over the the next two or three years. And, and we were expanding continuously there. And then we now are in our uh, new production warehouse. This is off of um, it's 903 West 1st Street. It's off of right behind the Bloomington Hospital. Do you have a factory outlet store? Can people come to the factory and buy their soap from you guys? Yeah, uh, we yeah. invite people to come in and take a tour. It's not a store per se, uh -huh. um, but since we manufacture it, uh, they can purchase it directly from us. They can. Yeah, and so... It's, they we, can also do it online. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, we have had people who... Uh, are very eager to come in and to see, like, you know, they're, they're purchasing bars of soaps from all over, but then they want to see where, 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 you know, where the soap that they're buying from is is, is uh, producing from, and they like the tour. They like to see, like, the warehouse, the products, and everything. So we notice a lot of people do like the tours. You guys all went to Indiana University, the three of you. Yep. Oh, uh, if you wanted to clarify the Saboon a little bit. Uh, yeah. Basically, our idea was the company name is Soapy Soap Company. That's a corporation. Yeah. And then uh, we would make brands within it, maybe with different themes. Um, but as we went, we noticed that we were really only doing the one brand. Yeah. And uh, there's a little bit conf of confusion with uh, Saboon versus Soapy Soap Company. Some people thought it was two companies. Plus, some people just didn't feel comfortable pronouncing Saboon. They don't want to mispronounce it or anything. Because uh, it's a foreign language term. So uh, what we've decided uh, recently is to uh, basically do sort of a rebrand and make everything into the Soapy Soap Company brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, which centers around the three soap guys, me, Muhammad A, and Muhammad M. With this very uh, recognizable uh, caricature that you have yep. on your business card, is that going to be part of your yeah. uh, uh, logo be in, and branding? Yeah. So essentially with the new rebranding, um, we're f more focusing on the story because it's in the soap making body care industry, you're having, you know, it's pretty unusual to have three guys making soap, making body care products. So we're actually going to be promoting that a lot more. So, And it's a more of a focus story where um, I think Anthony explained earlier that we're going to have three different bases mm. and each base. So we're going to have a, um, a moisturizing base, which is actually my brother has dry skin, so that's going to be his line. I have more of a neutral skin type, so mine is called the replenish line. And then Anthony has more oily skin, so his is going to be called the cleanse line. And each line will have a picture of, of ourselves in there. So it's going to say... Uh, so if you see my wow. picture, it's going to say my soap is good for uh, neutral yeah. neutral skin. And my brother, you'll see his caricature, and then it'll say his so my soap is good for um, dry skin. Anthony Duncan, uh. Muhammad A. Mahdi, the big shots over at Soapy Soap <laughs> Company. Thanks for joining us on Big Talk. Thanks oh, for, thank having, you for us. having us. Thank you for having us.